Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design and money coach and I help people just like you welcome more ease, joy, and abundance into their lives. I absolutely positively love the work I get to do in this world. It is so much fun and my clients have so much fun and amplify the joy and fun in their lives. Oh my goodness. I could talk about this forever, but that's not the point of right now. The point of right now is getting you ready for this episode all about human design environments. Human design has so many layers. You can just keep going down and down and down the rabbit hole. We've got your energy types, how you dance with the energy around you, your profiles, it's your personality, all of your gifts. We've got all the ways that you flow through life that you are designed to thrive. And one of those ways is what is your optimal environment? Where does your soul just set on fire? Where does everything get easy for you? Where does your body want to be? So that's what I dive into in this episode. And if you haven't gotten your human design chart from me yet, come on over and get it. You can get it for free from me. I will email it to you. Head over to KelseyAbbott.com to put in all of your information and do that. Hello. I have been thinking so much about human design environments lately, so I decided to record a little episode on this topic. Now, human design, yeah, there's a lot. You may know your energy type. That's whether you're a generator, manifesting generator, manifestor, projector, or reflector. You might know your profile. That's like if you're a 1-3, a 4-6, a 5-1, that type of thing. You might know your centers. You might know your gates. You might know if you're specific or non-specific manifester. You might know your north nodes and south nodes. There there are so many levels to this human design rabbit hole. And today we're going to talk about your environment. Your environment is not something that you can super easily see in your chart, but you may have learned what your environment is by now. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to play with it. Um, there are six different types, caves, shores, markets, mountains, valleys, and kitchens. And yes, human design is ridiculous in terms of the names of things. And in this case, I actually think they did a really good job. I think the words, the words match really well. When you get into it, then there's like wet kitchens versus dry kitchens, blended versus something else caves. Listen, here's how I look at it. We're going to look at when you're looking at your chart, you're looking at the four arrows up at the top. You've got your, your your tent person with the human head, with the profile of the human head above that. You've got four arrows. We're looking at the arrows on the left of the head, the bottom arrow. If that arrow points to the left, you're here to be observed when you're in your environment and you're possibly going to be most active when you're in your environment. If that arrow points to the right, you're here to be an observer when you're in your environment and you're likely gonna be most relaxed when you're in your environment. Okay, and that arrow also shows us a bunch of other things that we're not talking about today. But let's start out with caves. That's my environment. I am designed to be observer, which is, it's so funny because this is, it isn't just in my environment that I'm an observer. It's, 
I notice everything. I think about, I was thinking about this on a bike ride recently. Like I notice all the things and all the trees and it's just kind of this knowing that I have at this point in my life that not everyone sees this stuff. (laughs) And yeah. Yeah. So it's basically, so it's basically like your Harriet the Spy vibes without the creepy keeping notes on everyone. Does everyone know Harriet the Spy? Anyway, it's just like, you know, you notice, you're noticing things and not in a creepy way. And then, okay, yes, let's just get into this. Okay. So here's one of the things that's got me thinking about this is we just had this hurricane come through our area and there are huge brush piles out in front of almost every house because people lost so much. They lost trees and branches and all this stuff. And they're like, they're like big snowbanks. And I love it. Like we are, when we're walking in the street with these big brush piles, when we're running, when I'm biking, I feel so much more relaxed because without those piles, I feel like everyone's like not in an evil way. And and this isn't something I'm super aware of, but I feel so exposed. So people with caves environment do not like feeling exposed. We are not designed to be in the center of things with everyone watching us. We're designed to be in our little nook, in our niche, in our corner of the sectional with our backs to the wall. My goodness, I think of this so much. When I was in high school, my freshman year of high school, both of my eardrums ruptured and I was out of school for a couple of weeks and then I came back to school and my biology teacher was the only one who knew that when your eardrums rupture, you hear this for a while while they're healing. You Basically, you hear the ocean in your ears nonstop. So your hearing is not so good. And so my biology teacher was like, so why don't you sit up in the front of the room? Ugh. <laughs> It made me so uncomfortable. There's this belief, at least there was for my school experience, like that the kids sitting in the front row are the ones who want to participate, the ones who are active, the ones who are paying attention. And the kids in the back row are not. No, the kids in the back row are the caves environment people who want to have their back to the wall. When I go into a restaurant, I will sit with my back to the wall. Thank you very much. When I'm when I'm visiting my parents. I sit in the same seat I've sat in for as long as my parents have had this dining room table and my back is to the wall that thank you. That is where I want it when I'm driving. So a car can be a cave for someone. And I remember once I was at a light and someone pulled up in a convertible and I remember looking over and I was like, the exposure that would make me so uncomfortable. Like everyone can just see her there. Whereas I'm like perfectly comfortable in my cave. And I realized once thinking about that, like when I'm driving alone in the car, super comfortable in my cave, I'm driving, there is a passenger possibly looking at me. I don't like that so much. I don't like to be observed in my cave. I'm in my cave. Get out. But my cave is all about, I'm super discerning about who can come into my, into my cave. The ideal cave is in a cave. Okay. Let's get this clear. There is a lot of talk about cave people really liking dark literal cave-like spaces. This cave person does not. I am solar powered. I like all the light. I love the windows. And 
put me in a room with only one entrance. I prefer that because again, I don't want someone sneaking up on me, which gets us to cave people are not designed to be spooked. We are coming into Halloween (laughs) and I don't like it. I really, 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 truly do not see any joy in getting spooked. When we first moved here, friends were telling me about how they were so excited. Actually, a friend was telling me she was frustrated with her wife who didn't want to go to this haunted something. She's like, it's so funny. People jump out and spook you. And oh, what? They're not. That's not funny. It's not funny. It's horrible. So actually, in my opinion, in my cave's opinion, and actually it's like really bad physically for a cave's person. Like it really shakes us up because we are designed. The reason that we want our backs to the wall, the reason we want this cave is for safety. We just want to feel safe. Again, we don't want to feel exposed. So the car one entrance to a room, back to the wall, corner of the sectional. Uh, Apparently, cave people like to be underground, like not in a buried alive sense, holy moly, hell no, in a basement sense. And I think this is funny because I was literally thinking earlier this week, I'm not so much into attics. Basements are fine. I mean, I'm not, I don't love them, but they're cool. I thought that, you know, I grew up my childhood home has a half, it's a basement that's half underground. And when I was in eighth grade, I moved my bedroom down there. So that's funny. That's still when we visit my parents, that's where we stay. And our house didn't have an attic. So I'm still, I'm just unfamiliar with the concept of attic. And maybe I'm just not so into attics, but my, I definitely don't feel like I'm drawn to underground. I'm not, I'm very much not a city person. But you would think underground is drawn to like the subways. No, but you know where I am really drawn? Underwater, like scuba diving or simply being in the water, being underwater. And then having my back to the wall, I see how it shows up when I'm racing. I have this specific memory of doing one race on the run, coming up on a friend of mine. And not wanting to pass her because I'm so much more comfortable chasing someone than then passing them and having them be right behind me. So this is interesting. I don't feel it so much in swimming. I don't feel it so much in biking, but I do feel it in running. And I wonder if it's literally the exposure of my back because when I'm swimming, it's my feet that are exposed to somebody. When I'm biking, it's my butt that's exposed to people. And apparently those parts of my body provide me more protection than just the exposure of my back that is right there for people when I'm running. Also, I mentioned Nook, and I think this is funny. In college, my senior year, my friend Megan and I had rooms in this house that it was like you go up a secret passageway, and then there were two rooms, and that was, we called it the Nook. And that was like my perfect cave. Not only was there one entrance we could hear someone if they came towards our two rooms you and you could not go up those stairs quietly. So you totally knew someone was coming and then there was that one entrance. So our environments are basically, as I describe these things for your environment, you're probably going to find that, oh yeah, I love that. And the point is 
a few things. One, we're all different. And two, it's, it's kind of to give yourself permission. Oh, is there some part of your environment that you're not giving yourself permission for towards? Is there something about where you're currently living, for instance, that doesn't feel comfortable for you? I feel this in our, in our neighborhood. I do. I feel so exposed. I feel so uncomfortable on our street. It does not feed my caves environment. And that's something you're really I'm super, super aware of as we think of where we're moving next. I'm just like, I want, I want to feel protected. I want to be able to have my back to the wall. I want, you know, brush piles or or whatever protecting me from everyone being able to see me all the time. I was going to say something else about caves environment. Oh, that's right. Something else about caves environment. Apparently I recently read people with caves environment love a weighted blanket. Yes. Thank you very much. Pete, give me a weighted blanket for Christmas. I think it was this past year. At first I was like, huh, don't know if I'm into this. That was before I slept under it and was like, what is this magic? Love it. So I find that interesting. Yeah. There are just so explore. Like if you are a caves environment person, my friend Meg sent me a meme once that was like, I was going to get the mail today, but our neighbor was out there. So I guess that'll have to wait till tomorrow. So caves environment can look very, make you look very much like an introvert, but it's not necessarily because I love being with all the people out of my house, but no, you can't come over. When we lived in Maine, Pete would be like, let's have people over. And in the summer, when we could be on our deck, I was like, yeah, this is so fun. And then in the winter, he'd be like, let's have people over. And I was like, Eh, no, but I didn't. I just felt like, what's wrong with me? Am I antisocial? Do I not like hosting people? It turns out I don't like hosting people, but I don't want people coming into my cave. I am designed to be super discerning about who comes into my space. Okay, that's that's what I got on caves for right now. And we might come back to that because I'm probably going to think of more things as I'm talking about the other environments. Let's go next to shores. That is Pete's optimal environment. And shores, when I first learned about it, my understanding was shores was either a literal shoreline, like where the water meets the land, or a transition area like between urban and rural areas. There's actually so much more about it. It's a boundary and like crossing the boundary. So For instance, people with shores environment really need to be able to pace, to go from as pace as they talk, to go from like one end of the room to the other. Pete used to do this when he was on the phone all the time and he hasn't been doing it as much lately. So as we were talking about this today before I recorded, I was like, by the way, permission to pace, but his office is super tiny. He has the gift of an amplified and dramatic voice. If he's pacing all over the house. I'm not recording a podcast because you're going to hear it. So we're going to figure out the logistics of that one. But so this transition area, this these this place like between worlds, for instance, so that like one end of the room to the other, different worlds, you know, water to land, different worlds. People with the shores environment, they tend to be really drawn to like sci-fi fantasy, like 
living, I feel like I'm saying like so much more than I ever have in my life. But anyway, we're going to keep going. Areas like balancing living in this world, the quote unquote real world, and living in the fantasy world of a sci-fi book or or some sort of fiction, one that really truly gets you in a different world. Shores people can really be drawn to that. They need to like straddle the two worlds. We have these wonderful seasons here in Florida. They be called inside outside time. And it starts typically, maybe it's like November to March where we can open all the sliding glass doors and just inside is outside, outside is inside. And one of Pete's favorite spots to sit is right inside next to outside, like right on the kind of like doorstep onto the lanai. Again, that like boundary kind of straddling the two worlds. Are you inside or outside or both? People with shores environment can really love stargazing. They can be really fascinated with outer space. They love sunsets, sunrises, transition from night to day, day to night. And and an airplane. Uh, shores people can really like the aisle seat, the transition from the place where people move and the place where people are still. And if you... The aisle seat can be both for observing or observed because you can see all the people coming and going or all the people can see you. Whereas a caves person, I will have the window seat. Thank you very much. And as someone who is the observer and not the observed, I will have a window seat. Thank you very much. And no, there's no need to look at me. I don't want anyone to see me as I'm on a plane. I will tuck myself into that window seat. Thank you. Okay. Next environment is markets. So this is a fun one. It's, it, I mean, they're all fun. It's literal markets. These people, they're really drawn to to shopping, to browsing. And browsing can be like, um, or sorry, markets. We have online marketplaces, right? We have online shopping. We also have like, we have grocery stores. We have places I'm thinking like Faneuil Hall in Boston. We have malls. These are places where markets people are going to be drawn. They they might love browsing and seeing what's new, what's in season. It's not necessarily about buying anything. It's about seeing what's out there. It's about touching the things. It's about experiencing the things. These people can be really lit up by grocery shopping. I know one markets person. She's an observer. She loves going to Whole Foods and just people watching. She will do it for hours. She's like, let's go to Whole Foods today. Oh, this case person is like, what, what? No, no, thanks. I don't need to do that. Um, they Markets people can have strong preferences. Like they, they know what they like before they get there. They know, oh, I want to go on vacation in this spot. Oh, I want... I'm I'm not going to like that restaurant or I'm going to love this restaurant or they'll have a craving to have very strong tastes and maybe customize things like custom clothes, jewelry, anything that can be customizable might be really exciting to a markets place, a markets person. And as I said, they they love the browsing and the shopping is just kind of a thing that happens as a result of the browsing. They might return everything that they buy, which makes me think of 
my friend Jim, who is currently obsessed with fishing and he catches and releases. He's like, I have zero desire to hold on to that fish. It's like, I just want to see them, meet them and throw them back. Thanks very much. I just want to see what's out there. So a marketplace is a place where energetic exchange occurs. So that could be in form of money. Like I give you money, you give me the shoes. It can also be a place like, oh yeah, let's shake on that. I will, I'll teach you French. You walk my dog, whatever it is. It can be a barter. It can be any sort of energetic exchange. That said, people with markets environment can be really drawn to entrepreneurship because the marketplace is where the sales happen. And then one last thing, the people with markets environment can be really connected to the literal seasons, winter, spring, summer, fall, and have very kind of distinct seasons of their lives. And they might, they're likely very aware, like, oh, I seem to be in this season right now. And or looking back being like, "Mm, yeah, that was the season of whatever. So that's markets. Next, we move on to mountains environment. Mountains is my dad. My dad is a 1-3 projector and absolutely mountains environment. And it's interesting because my parents recently purchased what used to be my grandparents' old condo in Florida. And they're on the fourth floor. My dad loves this. He's like looking out, watching everyone on the golf course. He can see it all. Because market, or I mean, mountains people, they love to be up high. So this can be, they might even prefer driving in a taller car. My dad does not. Or I don't know, maybe he does prefer, but he's always had a a short car, (laughs) a normal car, a car car. So anyway, they like to be up high. They, and that's so they can hone their perspective. They want a wide angle view. They want to be able to see all the things. And in my parents' home in Massachusetts, the house I grew up in, you know, my dad looks out, he surveys his domain. He looks out into the woods. He, he sees the golfers on the golf course. Yeah. He's just looking from up on high And it's funny, I said my bedroom in their house is in the basement. My dad never goes downstairs. There's only two two floors in that house. He is always upstairs. So they they need to pull mountains people, they need to pull back from the group to, to get a wide angle view. So they need solo time. They often love like the corner of a room or any place where they can just get that big perspective of things. They're not going to want to be in the middle of the room because they can't see it all from there. They're going to want, maybe they're, maybe they're hanging out with a caves person back to the wall. My dad definitely has his seats in the house and they're in the corners where he can see everything. They love to travel. My dad married a travel agent, my mom, perfect setup. So they're, they're currently in France. He loves traveling. So travel helps you change your perspective. You're in a different place, get to see things differently. And then mountains people can be really connected with nature. My dad is also a Taurus and that I think his 
dominant sense is smell. And people with smell as their dominant sense are very sensitive to any artificial smells. And my dad is really, but he, he uses the excuse that he's from Maine and that's why he likes to live in the woods and mountains and Taurus. I don't know. It all comes together and yeah, he enjoys nature. He enjoys being outside. We've got two more environments, valleys and kitchens. Valleys, when I was doing a little research now, one of the things I read, which I hadn't heard before, is that valleys people don't love heights. My mom has valleys as her environment, and she doesn't love heights. Uh, So if you're a valleys environment person, let me know. I've heard that valleys people can even get vertigo when they're up high. Interesting that she married a mountains person who wants to be up high. But I don't think, like... I don't see my dad drawn to mountaintops or like literal mountaintops or like super high rise. What are those things called? Uh, Skyscrapers. (laughs) Yeah, that's not really his style, I don't think. So Valley's people, they really want to be connected to the network, to the hub of information. So the valley would be where all the people come down. You know, they come to the river valley. They come to the port, they come down out of the mountains and they come to the valley and that's where they meet, exchange information, say this tribe is moving over here, the harvest is crap over here, the fish are running over here, all the information comes into the valley. And so these people are like, give me all the information. These people had a really hard time during COVID isolation. They were like, "What? how am I going to get my information? And likely went to social media. Because social media is a, a hub of information. They will, it, it, Valley's people, I'm absolutely not saying that they like to gossip, but they might know everything. They might, I mean, my mom definitely is able to report on, she doesn't share much at all. And yet, I feel like she always knows what everyone else is doing and not at all in a gossipy thing, in a gossipy way, simply in a, in a, she's, she is plugged into the network. They love people watching and, and like porch sitting, which also makes me think of lifeguarding as a, I, I grew up lifeguarding and I had just always thought of it as the best people watching. Ideally, like I was up high, so I had my back was protected. My mom grew up as a lifeguard too. I can just imagine the people watching aspect of it totally lit her up. So Valley's people, they don't want to be, it's not like being on the sidelines in a like, woe is me or I'm not good enough sense, but like watching all the people totally lights them up. They love big conferences particularly on a certain topic. My mom gets really excited about going to her annual travel conferences, networking events. And then, of course, the newspaper or any more, (laughs) that was going to be biased. I was going to say any more modern form of information. But my point is, I've always wondered, like, mom, why do you always feel like you need to catch up on the newspapers? Because she needs to be tapped into the information network. I I just love how this all works out. It's all, yes, 
feel feel validated for liking the things you do and recognize that if you're denying yourself any of the things that your environment craves, like that's that can be denying yourself some form of nourishment. So how can you give that to yourself? How can you change? Where can you go to get the things you need to get? And Valley's people, a lot of them find that they do get what they need from, from Zoom meetings, from online networking. I think a lot of the Valley's people are the people that went into COVID lockdown, for instance, being like, what? No, I need to be in person with people and maybe came away being like, oh, actually, I can connect with people over Zoom. Actually, if social networking does light me up. It does feed that part of my soul. So the final environment is kitchens. See, I, just, I think human design is so funny. Because <laughs> if you come away with like this surface information about your design and your for instance, given the information, your environment is a wet kitchen. You're like, what? What? Yeah. Thanks, human design. You're weird. So a kitchen, what is a kitchen? A literal kitchen where the alchemy happens, where you put a bunch of ingredients together and you make a cake, you make a meatloaf, whatever. That's a kitchen. So a kitchen is a place where people come together to create and they don't necessarily need to be creating to the same thing together. Although that some people with kitchens environment really have this desire for collaboration and co-creation. They can also be lit up by creating side by side. So, you know, you're making like, think about things in a literal kitchen. You are, you know, we've all seen cooking shows or whatever. One person is prepping the salad while one person is prepping dessert. Those two things don't go together but you're both creating side by side. A kitchen's person really needs to be surrounded by their people. And once a a kitchen is someplace where they will run into someone they know. Again, think of a literal kitchen and like cooking shows where chefs are constantly saying behind, like literally they will run into each other. But where can you run into your people? Maybe you have like your go-to place, your go-to coffee shop. Maybe it's a park. Maybe it's your gym. You go there and you run into your people. The kitchen is the hub of the activity. So it might be like the center of the house. It might be an open concept house where they can be in the kitchen or the living room, whatever is the, the hub of your family. And you can see everyone else coming and going. You can see all the activity. Um, A kitchens person likely going to be the first one to check out the new hotspots coming to town. The new restaurant that opened, yeah, the kitchen person is the first one to know all the things about it. And maybe even the first one to be like, all right, gang, come on, let's go. They, okay, and then kitchens. What happens in a kitchen you create? So for kitchens people, Feel into where is the place in your house, in your town, whatever, where you are most creative. Where is the place where you're, whether it's creating food, creating art, creating words, creating music, whatever it is that you create, where do you, where does it just flow for you? That is your kitchen, which 
makes me brings me back to the caves. Where is the person, the place where you feel most comfortable, feel most creative? What for me, it's the corner of the sectional. It's my back to the wall and that protection of the sectional on on both sides. Bliss. Thank you very much. I remember when I learned that, I was like, oh, that's my writing spot. Absolutely. Okay. So your environment, like I said, it's just a tiny piece of your design and yet it may feel like everything. So if you are feeling like, like you're, you're a, you're super extroverted, but you like your space. Yeah. Maybe you're like a four, six caves person like me. There's my point is there's so much more to you than your energy type and your profile. And I hope this has all been super helpful for you. Enjoy it. I love you. You're amazing. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode of the Find Your Awesome podcast, please share it with your people. Shout it out from social, shout it out from the mountaintops, whatever feels good for you. And if you want to head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give the Find Your Awesome podcast a five-star rating and a glowing review, I would love that. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. You are incredible. You are an amazing human. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go forth and be awesome.